there are a number of good options. But for every good option that will likely be available there, there are two or three bad options that they could also pick. Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast for Wednesday, April the 26th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. And on this final episode before we are live streaming for the draft on Thursday night, first round, pick one on the clock. I'm joined by producer JT. JT, how are you? Are you are you excited? This is like the this is the Christmas Eve episode. It is. Um, and on this Christmas Eve episode, I have a confession to make. Uh oh. I've I've never seen the movie Draft Day. <laughs> you want to know what's funny? Yeah. What? What? I have a similar confession, but it's not the same. I have seen nope. Draft Day on accident. I saw Draft hmm. Day um, when I was working in a movie theater. So I was being oh, paid okay. and coerced to be there. But yeah. I, I kind of just stood in the aisle and and watched the not even and, the whole thing, just like most of it. And from well, I've I'm I'm kind of on the same boat here. And from what I hear, I shouldn't watch draft day. Unless yeah. I just like I, I feel like it's more of like a taboo thing to like watch it before the NFL draft now because I I have seen probably 40% of that movie now. Um, just on my TikTok for you page. Oh, like yeah, I just yeah. get I just get scenes of draft day now, uh-huh. and I'm like, I'm piecing it together. We control the draft. That that <laughs> that Cleveland GM just seems like he's a complete bum, man. Like the, was, I get why people don't like this movie. It's so unrealistic. And actually, that was Brian. Man. That was Brian Good. That was uh, not. It was either Brian Goodkunst or uh, Dave Gettleman. Maybe that was David yeah, Gettleman. Maybe um, we'll see. But <laughs> yeah, it's it seems from what I've gathered, it seems like half of draft. Maybe I'll have to. Watch half of draft I don't Twitter know. hates the movie genuinely. Another half likes it ironically, if that makes sense. Like kind of a cult classic c- kind of thing. What from what I understand of it, it's that the Browns trade up to the first pick and right. then s- pull the Uno reverse card and say, yeah. "Just kidding, I don't want it anymore." Like if that, which were is ever- what some were when. Remember when Carolina <laughs> moved up? They were like, "What if they do the draft day thing? What if they?" Because they get up there and they're like, "We don't know who we want." And maybe CJ Maybe they're gonna do the thing. No, they're not, guys. They're not doing the thing. Um, but we are talking about the the first round of the draft today. We we're talking about we that the very topic of that movie. Um, and like that movie, if I remember correctly. Some crazy things happened in that draft. I- I'm expecting this draft to rival that yeah. one early and easily and so uh, a lot of character issues in this draft just like bo callahan from what i hear (laughs) sure (laughs) big big character issues across the board all over the place no one knows what's going to happen we in the software that we record these episodes on i i titled this recording the one where easton pretends he has any idea what's going on so i'm gonna in a second tell you my best guess but as you can gather based on just obvious like just looking outside out your window on your phone on twitter trying to figure like you know reading articles listening to anybody that that knows anything about the nfl and the draft it's clear to anybody with a brain that this draft is a a, the world's biggest mystery box it is the strangest draft maybe in the history of professional sports it is the least predictable draft anyone can remember and for that reason uh, I hand up have this whole time maintained pretty much that th- I have no idea. The only thing that I know 
is who's the who's the philosopher who I, the only thing that I know is is that I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? There's a famous soccer uh, trees or something. Probably one of them. That's a um, good guess. But but that's me basically. Um, I have I have no idea what's going on. No one has any idea what's going on. But we can we can make some decent assumptions. And, and we have. so yeah. And and I you know what I've I've made a lot of assumptions because I have picked for the third and final time the. First 31 picks of the draft. Shout out. I did this for the first two shows. So I've got a clown for the third straight time. The Miami Dolphins for cheating and getting themselves kicked out of the first round. Um, so 31 picks that I have all figured out. Um, it's crazy, JT. I was telling you before we recorded. I was I spent the last 90 minutes just you know going through notes that I'd made over the last two weeks as I prepared for this third and final mock, going through what I could find on the internet for, you know, any sourcing, local sourcing, you know, folks in the media market sometimes have a better idea. And um, I spent the whole 90 minutes just pulling my hair out, having no idea what's going on. But then I got to the end and I reviewed it just now before we started. I actually got every single one of these picks 100% correct. Yeah, you were telling me you sent you sent a you sent a picture of it to Rand Carthen and he said, yep, Um, especially on your. um, He liked the message, gave me the thumbs up and said, yes. So, because um, the the scripted the scripted version of the, the draft dress rehearsal they, they did the dress right. rehearsal is actually code for who they're picking so like everybody knows so the scripted um, dress rehearsal is actually scripted and you found the script right so that was the Uno reverse they they claimed it was scripted and then gave us their script all, and they're except like, for Puka Nakua Puka Nakua is going 14th overall to the Patriots that's happening. right which is pretty low but I understand that, it was just it was, I, a, it was a fake it was a fake draft so um yeah. enough of our enough of our vamping here let me set the stage real quick and then we'll get into the picks so I want to set the stage JT but before I do and before we get into the actual picks a little housekeeping it is now Wednesday when you're listening to this or maybe Thursday but regardless Right now, you can go over to broadwaysportsmedia.com. Well, as soon as you're finished listening here, go over to broadwaysportsmedia.com and supplement this draft content with even better, I would argue, maybe the best draft content we have done. And JT, we were looking through just how much we'd accomplished in the last two or three months. We, I think we put out something like almost 70 YouTube videos which equates to probably a hundred plus hours worth of, of uh, talking about the draft from going to, going to the combine for a week and, and crash coursing ourselves and uh, the listeners on this draft to speaking with a, a bunch of different experts to going through our top 10 at each position in the draft to talking like we did yesterday. Great episode. If you're looking for a last minute draft episode where you can hear a lot of names across the board on different rounds, just another plug while we're at it. The the last episode we did on this feed was, if I'm not mistaken, the replacements, the the uh, flip flops, and the mismatches of or no mismatches. What outliers. the replacements, the flip flops, and the outliers. I was trying to think of all the jargon that I used in that name for uh, the 2023 NFL draft, and we went through with our guy James Foster of A to Z Film Room and No Plugs Film guys that we think. Uh, are great bargain bin options in later round. If you're really set on a guy like JSN in the first round, for example, and your team misses out on him, who's a guy in the fourth that you can get that has a similar game and is the off-brand RC Cola version of the Coca-Cola you are after, right? And then we took it a step further, and we went through some examples of guys where on the consensus board, you know, receiver A might be the 10th overall player, and receiver B might be the 20th overall player, but we think that receiver B is just going to – 
flat out be a better player in the NFL. We think that they should be flip-flopped on the big boards out there because we think that people have got these folks mixed up and the better player is going to go later. And then finally, we ended it with a little game of in or out where JT took James and I, uh, we put our fake GM hats on and JT took us through 11 of the biggest outliers in this year's draft. Cause I don't, I don't know if you've noticed JT, this draft uh, among many characteristics we've, we've already talked about. One of them is a lot of physical outliers, some really big dudes, some crazy fast dudes, some really slow dudes, some really small dudes, some really short dudes, some really tall dudes. It is a redfish, bluefish, Dr. Seuss novel out here. And there's a lot of statistical outliers in terms of their size and athleticism that teams are going to have to decide, are we willing to bet on this person being the exception to the rule in the NFL, or are we going to pass on the outliers? So we talked about those guys, and James and I gave our opinion on whether or not we would be in on them. So that is the in-depth explanation of the last episode, which you should go listen to. But there was an episode right before that that you can either go listen to, or I would recommend, and I think JT would as well, read the article version of it, which is out now. It is the do and do not draft players in the 2023 NFL draft. It was the episode we did this past weekend. So if you are a listening kind of person, not into the reading, maybe you're illiterate. I don't know. I'm not going to judge. You can go listen to that. We talk about 50-ish players in that episode um, that we think you should and should not draft in the NFL draft this year from a Titans perspective and gave our uh, reasoning as to why. But the most in-depth version of that, and it is what you and I are really considering our comprehensive draft guide for the Titans for this year uh, based on the past two to three months worth of in-depth research, countless hours and, and, and uh, effort that we have uh, effort that we put into figuring this draft out, trying to become draft experts based on all of that work. We have put together this list of 70 players in this year's draft, 35 of which we think you should draft and 35 of which we think that you should not. Uh, again, from a Titans perspective, and it's not just the top 75 or 70 players. It's not just the best 70 players or our favorite 70 players. It is 70 players strategically chosen that should be available in each round in which the Titans pick at each position of need that the Titans are likely to target. So it is a diversified portfolio of draft options that you should and should not pick. And it's something that JT, we kind of designed it as something that people can follow along with on draft night. That's kind of the thing I'm most excited about, right? And you want to explain a little bit as to what we think folks could use this as a tool for if they're Titans fans and want to follow along in the draft. Yeah. I mean, we kind of set it up to the point where it goes round by round. So instead yep. of just having mainly the guys in the first round that we would or would not draft, we go one through seven. So if, mm -hmm. if you are interested in watching every single pick that the Titans have, this draft season um, and want to know some guys that if they end up picking, you can go and immediately read um, why they drafted them. Or if they missed on some other guys that you think they should have, we probably have a couple of those guys in there that you can go and read up on. So it can be something that you kind of watch out for. So like maybe these are the guys you should be rooting for and against the Titans drafting in all seven rounds. I've not even thought about this, JT, but what do you, what would you say the odds are with the 70 players that we've chosen at positions of need for the Titans in all the rounds? What are the odds they draft at least one of the guys on that list? It's got to be really high, right? I, I would say it's probably around like 65, 70%. I mean, yeah. there's a 50% chance they draft a guy we think that, and we're going to have to stand by like, yeah, we don't think that's a great draft pick. We had yeah. it we had it in writing beforehand. We can't change our opinions now. Yep. Um, but I, I'd say there's a good chance at least one of those guys goes. 
And if they do, you can guarantee within 10 seconds of that pick, we will have a screenshot of that article up on social media and say, oh, we did the, like Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> oh, look up. It's right there. Um, so so that's exciting. And again, it's it's something that if you're somebody that's a fan and you're no you're knowledgeable about the first three rounds worth of guys, but you you want to sit on a Saturday, have a nice lunch, watch rounds four through seven. You just don't know who these guys are like you need a little insight. This is what you should use to follow along our do and don't draft player guide. Like I said, is available on broadwaysportsmedia.com. We put a lot of effort into it. It's got custom graphics. It's got a lot of really cool things. We we put a lot of work into it, and it is the final word count is in the sixty five hundred range. So it is very comprehensive. So check it out. All right. Now that we have sold our souls and done the shilling necessary, um, we will get into my mock draft three My final mock draft, and we'll start. We do have the seven seven round Titans mock that we'll we'll go through. Second, so if you want to get to that, if you want the good stuff, you gotta, you know, you gotta get through the rest of this episode. I'm going to tell you now, exact. I've peered into the future and I have figured out who these players are, one through thirty-one. So without further ado, JT, let's look at the top of my mock draft 3.0. Yeah, let's jump right in. And for the third mock in a row, it's a different quarterback going first overall. I diversified my assets, (laughs) so I have a mock at least. I think. As long as the Panthers go quarterback at one, one of my mocks should have <laughs> it right, take. unless they go Levis, in which it, case it will just be perfect, exactly, right? right. Um, the Carolina Panthers will be taking Bryce Young first overall at number two. The Texans forego taking a quarterback, taking mm. Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. The Cardinals go off the board, not trading back, but instead building that offensive line with Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. At number four, C.J. Stroud falls to the Indianapolis Colts. At five, Will Anderson Jr., highly touted as the best defensive prospect in this draft, goes to Seattle. And Devin Witherspoon, the corner out of Illinois, goes to the Detroit Lions. Yeah, so real quick, and I meant to mention this before we even got into it, JT, to set the table for this mock, and I explained this in the last mock episode about two weeks ago, I approached each of these mocks from different perspectives, right? My mock draft 1.0 was, what do I want to see happen? And that was about a month out from the draft. And then two weeks ago, with two weeks to go before the draft, I said, okay, what do I think is the fever dream reality for the Titans? Like Titans fans trying to take the consensus zeitgeist, what people want. Let me boil that down into the the best possible outcome in the draft. And that is what my mock draft 2.0 was. And then this one in 3.0, my entire goal for both the first round and for the Titan seven round mock was I'm going to try to just get as accurate as possible. What I think is the most realistic, most accurate mock draft. And again, since none of us know anything, it's probably not that accurate, but I've tried my best here. And if nothing else, I, I am pretty confident at this point that Bryce Young goes one to the Panthers. He has been significantly favored every day for the past two weeks, except for today when the human recession, Will Levis decided to crash the market for like 12 hours. And it was like, oh, is there going to be even odds on Bryce Young versus Will Levis at one overall? Is Easton's ticket on Will Levis one overall from December going to cash after all? No, it's not. Um, But I mean, JT, doesn't it feel like this is maybe the only sure-ish thing for the draft? I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the right response. That's I, I don't know. Right <laughs> um, I will say this. We do know that the Panthers apparently have made a decision. We obviously don't know what that is, but we heard today, I think, from their new head coach, Frank Reich, that apparently the, the GM, I think Scott Fitterer over there, came into his office yesterday. He told it like it was this fairy tale. He said he came into my office 
and he said, I have who I want at quarterback. And he said, here's who it is. And, and, and Frank Reich said it was kind of like a proposal. And I said, yes. And there's a consensus. I thought that was really cute. Very sweet. Um, I, I don't really believe that it, that it happened that way. And I'm also not sure whether or not they actually have a consensus. Here's the thing, JT, like they claim now what a full 50 hours out, 50 plus hours out that they know who they're going to pick. What's the over under on how much of that 10 minute timer they end up using? I bet they use at least nine minutes of it. I bet they sit there and make us wait. I, I think I think the picks in by like five thirty. So? I think it's okay. cut in half. All right. You don't think they wait? They don't. They don't wait just to make sure Houston doesn't decide they want to jump up there at the last second because that's what it feels like they've been baiting them into this whole time, right? And I, you know, it is. But like <laughs> by like five minutes, you have to realize like maybe they're like my charade is up. We're going with CJ Stroud because we've up. tried. We've tried our <laughs> hardest to get them to come up here for Bryce Young, and they still won't budge. So let's hey, just and I'll, the guy I'll we say this. all along. Yeah, if they end up going Stroud in the end, of, like a brilliant attempt well well done smear campaign great smear campaign awesome well yeah and and the fake love for bryce young that i mean they would they would have get deserve an emmy an oscar a a grammy what i don't know give them the egot for that performance because it's well done because they've convinced everybody including vegas who we established on yesterday's episode does in fact know nothing um they've convinced them that they at least know that so i think it's bryce young not sure let's get to the the juicier parts of this though so the Texans skipping on a quarterback has been very popular ever since Lance Zerline, who's the most reliable guy in the Houston media market when it comes to the Texans. He's the only guy last year, for example, that he nailed. I didn't realize this till today, JT. He nailed both of their first round picks last year. Um, so that's like that inspires confidence. He got both of them right. He has for about two weeks now been taking he's been he's been crucified, frankly, over this idea that the Texans they only love Bryce Young and they may not go quarterback at two. They've got the 12th overall pick. They think these guys might slide and they love the defenders. New head coach, D'Amico Ryan's defensive guy. He's going to have a lot of say in that room and he may end up going with one of these guys. Now I have them going with Tyree Wilson. Person again, this is what I think is going to happen. This would be an insane decision to me. I don't, I do not understand what NFL teams, apparently the NFL as a whole thinks Terry Wilson might be the, the most talented edge rusher in this class. I think that's crazy when Will Anderson Jr. is sitting right there and Terry Wilson is, as well as a like a health risk, also uh, production-wise wasn't amazing in college. Like the, This is based on the fact that he's a stud looker. He's a stud tester. He's He's got all the traits. So I think that they go with one of those edge rushers. If they go Anderson at two instead of Terry Wilson, that will not shock me at all, but I went with Wilson here. Here's maybe the most shocking beginning uh, portion of the draft for me. I think the Cardinals go tackle at three. I think Paris Johnson Jr., who we've been hyping up as a top 10 pick this whole time, I think he goes earlier than anyone even really expected. And uh, we've heard this week out of the Cardinals building that apparently Kyler Murray has been lobbying for one of the top tackles at this third pick. Now the Cardinals, I think will still be trying to trade down, especially with only one quarterback off the board at three, but if they're forced to take a player, could it be one, you know, one of Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson? Yeah, totally. I think that it could be, but will they consider one of the top tackles and and take Paris Johnson jr. Off the board early? I think it's very possible Four is, is an educated guess like the rest of it. But in particular, JT, this one is kind of just like, I felt this in my gut the entire draft season. And I'm just going to, I'm going to stay true to that and, you know, live ride or ride or die with this take that CJ Stroud is going to be a cult. 
And I think Titans fans obviously won't be crazy about that. But um, if, if, if CJ Stroud is there in the top three quarterbacks besides Bryce Young are available, I kind of think he's the guy that they will take. And I, I don't see um, my, my dad called me tonight, JT, and he was like in the top 10, like each team. How many of them can you say you're confident you know what position they're even going to take? And I was like, Panthers are definitely going quarterback. Colts are like 97% going quarterback. And then end of list. Like that's kind of, that's it. Those are the only teams that I would put money on what position they'll take. So I'm pretty sure the Colts go quarterback at five. The Seahawks are delighted to get Will Anderson Jr. I think this may be one of the only carryovers from my mock draft 2.0. That is the same on my 3.0, but I think Will Anderson Jr. Comes off the board in the top five. And then at six, one of two draft picks, JT, and we were talking about this off the record earlier today. There are two draft picks, one here and then one in the 20s with another AFC South team Titans fans are familiar with, where I think since the beginning of the draft season, folks have just n- known what player they're going to take. I think every single mock ever made, and there have been millions of them, have had the Lions taking either Christian Gonzalez or Devin, or Devin Witherspoon. And in the last two weeks, it's been Devin Witherspoon. So I think that's who they take. If it's flip-flopped, that wouldn't shock me. If they go with a defensive uh, lineman or a, you know an edge rusher, would not shock me. Ultimately, I think that the Lions goal in the first round because they have two picks. I think they come out with a, one of the top cornerbacks and come out with one of the top rushers. In what order? I do not know. But that's one of the things I am pretty confident on. I think that they come away with two defensive studs in the first round. So those are my first six picks. The only thing I'm going to say here, um, because mm-hmm. I everything here is very sound logic, um, I'm going to just like contest your gut okay. feeling on who the Colts take here. Okay. My gut this entire time has been Will Levis. And here's why mm. it, it's come. It comes back to, and it'd be really funny to see this happen. Um, we went to the combine and Shane Steichen went up to the mic. Yes. And he got like three or four questions asking basically the same thing, but just worded differently about right. what he thinks about accuracy in a quarterback and if he this. can yep. and if he can teach it or is that something that's mm. already that is already mm. um just kind of given in a quarterback yeah and he he was very adamant that he would be able to teach a quarterback accuracy and improve that and from that moment on i was like wow Will levis you were a cult this is what this means to me i i'm signed sealed and delivered and that's I, how I, fe- I felt the entire time have you this said entire- this to me like out loud ever i think i said it to you at the because, combine okay but, like i, I have probably said forgotten it, it this is a great take i had for I, I mean i was there for that press conference and i had for i had forgotten that i didn't pick up on that but that that's great i mean because with will levis if you can ensure me you can fix his accuracy issues then I'm actually in on Will Levis. Like I'm in on it. I just don't know if you you can fix that inaccuracy, the decision making, the the horrendous footwork at the next level. Like it's totally a guess. But if a guy like Shane Steichen is either good enough or delusional enough to think that he can fix it, then that and how how excited would Titans fans be when they were worried at one at one point it was like oh great Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are coming to the AFC South. What if it's Will Levis end of list? That's a great draft season, regardless <laughs> of who the Titans take, because uh, that's not all that scary. Exactly, right? Like, Will Levis coming, you can maybe breathe a little easy, hoping that Shane Steichen is wrong on his assessment of Will Levis. But, like, I mean, Will Levis, like, you I know still like... You frustrating, JT? Even he'll, if come he, to, he'll come to the AFC. Yeah. I'll be... Titans fans will rejoice, because they'll be like, oh, yes, Will Levis, he already stinks. We already know what he's like. And I'll be forced to play the heel for the next 
10 years and be like, guys, you should still be concerned that they fix Will Levis because the traits are there. Um, exactly. Right. And, and and that's just, that's just been my gut feeling this entire time. That's a great um, and take. That's, that's why I've I, still been on Will Levis to the Colts. Um, I think he just fits their scheme. I think he's what Shane Steichen wants. Um, is that a pick you got locked in when you turn it? Our, our friend group, we, we do every year, a, a mock draft competition on Thursday. When you turn yours in, am I going to see Will Levis at four to the Colts? I, I think you are, regardless okay. of if it's at four or if or they trade up to three for a bidding back. war or knows, move back. Yeah. Like, I, I think I'm pretty set on Will Levis. I, I'm probably more set on the Colts taking Will Levis than I'm set on any other um, team picking a player. Let's just put it that way. Strong. So it's probably That's my strong. most confident. Let's well, move on, though. Strong, yeah. Let's yep. let's get to the goods here. The <laughs> Titans pick. Yes. Yeah, that, this one, I kind of surprised myself with how this fell. But I was I, surprised. I, I feel good about it. Now that I've done the whole exercise and I'm going to explain in a minute, but let's run the picks down. So at number seven, the Las Vegas Raiders forego taking a quarterback here, taking Christian Gonzalez, shoring up that secondary group in Las Vegas at eight. Bijan Robinson once again goes to the Falcons to create a dynamic offense at nine. Peter Skaronsky goes and shores up that line for Justin Fields and at 10, Jalen Carter finally falls to probably the worst team he could fall to as that Eagles defense just gets. But doesn't it feel so, right? Doesn't it, it feel does. like the kind of anger that it we does. feel every year on draft night when the Ravens or the Steelers or the Chiefs get that guy and everyone's like, how did we let them fall to them? This year, it's Jalen Carter, the Eagles. I feel very strongly about that one. At number 11, Anthony Richardson, without Boom. having to move up. My QB1. to the... Tennessee Titans yep. to sit maybe behind Ryan Tannehill. We'll maybe see. we'll see. Take this over his job. We'll see. Mock. Let's see. We'll see. And at 12, Will Levis falls to the Texans as the Texans take a gamble that a quarterback will still be there and he will become their quarterback of the future. Yeah. So let's start here at the top. I have the Raiders going with the second cornerback off the board, Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. For a while when I was doing this, I had Will Levis going here. So if they if if a quarterback goes off the board at seven, it will not shock me in the slightest. I think that the Raiders are going to think long and hard about these quarterbacks. They kind of have to, right? And and I think that that's something that is totally on the board. So it would not shock me if Will Levis or... I mean, I is it unfair of me to kind of make the assumption that they're not in on Anthony Richardson? It, personally, it would surprise me if they if they drafted Richardson. But maybe I mean, just... I think I think they would be more in on Richardson than Levis because he's probably not really? as as I, I think he's just not as NFL ready as like a Will Levis, which gives you even more time to make that Jimmy Garoppolo contract kind of make sense. Well, if they're yeah, if they're in love with that contract in love with the player, then sure. The reason why I feel like it's the opposite is because I'm trying to think. Let me get in the head of you know Josh McDaniel. This is a this is a guy who is a New England guy. He's kind of got that old school, um, contrarian way of operating. Like you know, the, he's coming from the Belichick tree, and Belichick's always the guy that drafts based on what he wants, and 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 says the noise can can uh, take a hike, and and occasionally takes a, a weird pick. Um, but ultimately, that's the reason why I went with a cornerback here, and not a quarterback, cornerback, not a quarterback. That's because it just feels like a New England kind of pick. You know, you go with the safe position of high value. The Raiders don't really have a star cornerback on that team. 
that is a, a true, you know, NFL top 10 guy. Gonzalez is going to be that guy for them at eight. I think this may, I said that I may only have one carryover. This one's definitely a carryover from the 2.0. You and I both have been Bijan Robinson pilled to the Falcons. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen like for sure. But if he goes top 10, if you tell me Bijan Robinson goes top 10, Easton, where's he going? No hesitation. It's the Falcons. Um, JT, how are you feeling as a, as a Falcons, you know, you're a Falcons supporter. They're your, your team away from home. Um, and, and you've got a number of talented folks there at eight. Would you be all right with Bijan Robinson? Do you think it might happen? I mean, I would, if it feels like it's the Arthur Smith thing to do, like as he tries to rebuild that Tennessee Titans of the NFC, like (laughs) it feels like getting a three down back that is going to just wreck the league for five years. Like it feels like the things do at eight. Terry Fontenot, the GM down there, or am I, am I wrong about that? I believe he is. Yeah, it's I Terry, Terry Fontenot, the GM down there. I, I, I think that's who it is. But whoever the GM is in Atlanta, you can verify me on that. He yeah, came out. Is. Okay, yeah, Fontenot came out and said in an interview this past week that they are looking for players at eight that quote are going to be quick, uh, early impact players. We're looking for early impact players. Well, Bijan Robinson is maybe the definition of an early impact player. He's a day one, right? This is not a guy that's going to compete for a job day one. This is a guy that's going to be the starter day one, and he's probably going to be a stud day one. So this is an impact player early on that they could go with at nine. Yeah. The bears feel very safe to take alignment as long as one of the top two guys are there. And I have Skaronsky falling to nine. That one feels like, you know, they're taking, they're taking the hometown guy, the, the hometown hero does not have to move far from Northwestern university to go play in Chicago. And it feels like the team that has the most, the most question marks on the offensive line where they, they've kind of got a blank, not a blank slate, but you could draft any position on the line and they could absolutely justify taking them and and plugging and playing. And Peter Skaronsky is absolutely a plug and play guy. So I like that pick at 10. Like I mentioned, Jalen Carter to the Eagles, probably the most frustrating pick of the entire night because everybody's pissed off that the, um, Super Bowl runners up loaded roster. Howie Roseman gets away with highway robbery of a guy that just a month and a half ago, JT, we were talking about as a potential number one overall pick. He falls to 10 into the laps of a team that shouldn't even be picking at 10. Shout out to uh, where they even get this pick from. I forget uh, the oh. Saints. Oh, yeah. This is uh, thanks to moving up for Chris Olave, I believe, last year. I think so. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, good player, but thanks a lot, New Orleans. At 11, let me explain. I've got the Titans going with my quarterback one. This is not because I've just gotten so excited about my QB one that I'm desperate for them to take they take him. There are many scenarios that involve the Titans not taking a quarterback at all or a different quarterback in this draft that I would be happy with. But I think Richardson falls to 11 based on how this board goes. Um, and I did. I should have mentioned this at the top. I didn't do any trades in this in this mock because it felt like we already have so little idea who's going where. Why convolute it by trying to predict teams they're going to move up and down? So I just went. I went. I went shock here. Um, it, it would not shock me at all if there are seven round one trades. It would not shock me at all if teams just stayed put for the most part. I don't know, but I think the Titans have probably, I'd say, right now a 50-50 shot of picking at eleven, and and whether that is a move up or a move down, I don't know. But I don't think it's a sure thing to pick at eleven. If they do. And in this mock, just think through if this were to happen in real life, the 10 minutes with 
Anthony Richardson and Will Levis both sitting there on the board, probably at the top, you know, like the PFF pffs of the world have those live boards where it's like best remaining player available you look it up and it's like those two guys right there at the top those are going to be a tense tense 10 minutes in titan circles titans have had both of these guys in for visits they have been to both pro days they have expressed interest in both of these guys and uh luckily i i i have them going with the the option that is not going to make all of nashville burn to the ground like rome but it, it, it would be a tense couple of minutes. I think Richardson would be the guy there. Um, here, here, while we're here, let's just take a quick pit stop at 11 JT. I was talking that this is also the draft phone call. I kind of did like a, Jer- a Daniel Jeremiah style pre-draft call, but it was just with my dad who racked my brain on all of my draft thoughts. And I guess it was a way for him to not, he, at the end, he's like, cool. So I just got the last like week's worth of podcast in 30 minutes. And I was like, yeah, I guess you did dad. So he swindled us out of all of those listener hours. But um, he was asking me, the first question was, do you think the Titans stick at 11? I told him, I think it's a 50-50 shot, whether they pick there or they move. And then he asked me a, a question that is simple, but I think a really good one. As a Titans fan, who should I be, or what should I be rooting for? Should I be rooting for them to stay at 11 or to move? And I thought about it. We kind of talked through it. I think that Titans fans, if they're looking for the highest likelihood for a scenario in which they aren't upset with the first round pick. They should be rooting for the Titans to move, whether that is up or down. I, I foresee more potential disasters at 11 than I do anywhere else. And, and I can kind of talk through that. But like if they move up, it's only I mean, for I a agree. quarterback, right? It's, it's I, going to be for I a quarterback. The only way I move up as a disaster is if it's for Will Levis. If they move up for Stroud or Richardson, people won't be furious, right? Do we agree there? I mean, yeah, I, I like I'm I'm not. I'm just not a Titans fan. Like I I've never been a Titans fan, sure, but I've, sure. but I found myself in this position where I'm looking at the, at the Titans a little bit more objectively than anybody else right. really could have. Um, and I, I mean, I, I, you know, this, I've been on the Titans should trade back from like, I don't you know both. The, the, yeah. the day the season ended, like, mm-hmm. and people were like, this is awful. Like, why would you do this? <laughs> and now it's like, become like, like people need to understand, like, if they're not going quarterback, it's not the end of the world if they don't get a JSN. Like, it, like it's not the end of the world if they don't get one of those guys because yeah. at the end of the day, they need so many different things that if they were to move back to 16 through 20 and pick up a second or third round pick, like, the value is there. Like, you're going to get, a, like, another good guy and, and, like, sacrifice maybe the name of, like, a JSN or something, but you're going to get another good guy that you trust Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthen to go get like I think they need as many players as they possibly can in this draft if they I, I do not go quarterback well I agree wholeheartedly wholeheartedly and that was one of the things I was telling my dad like the next two years for Rand Carthen it is not important for him to hit home runs he doesn't need to hit a home run in this draft in the next draft he needs to hit like seven or eight doubles right because this team has stars they have star power they have high end you know they're not they're not they're not a, a star studded team like an Eagles or a 49ers are, but they'd be a much better team if they were like six to eight different positions in which they had either any depth at all, like, you know, talent behind the stars or just a solid 
NFL caliber starting role player. And then the stars don't have to compensate just as much. It's far more important that they come away with, with doubles in the, in the next two drafts, in my opinion. Um, and they just don't have a lot of swings of the bat, right? They have six picks this year. I think they have just seven next. And so, but, but what I was saying along the lines of if they move up or down, it's probably less likely to be a disaster. So we've established that they move up. It'll be for one of three things a quarterback not named Bryce Young, and two of those three things won't be a disaster. If they move back, I think the Titans could, like if they move back to 19, for example, and get an extra pick or two in this year's draft, maybe a pick in next year's draft or something, they could go edge, they could go cornerback, they could go off-ball linebacker, and people would not be nearly as furious as if they went with, say, an edge or a cornerback at 11. Do you, do you agree with that? I mean, I kind of think, think so. that's... Yeah, it's it's just a very it's a very contentious pick to be at because there have been so many names in the top 10. Like you were the next pick out of that top 10. So right. like the, the next 10 picks, it, they're yours. And there's going to be value there that there's going to be players that because of how this quarterback class is falling, there's going to be a bunch of players there that it's kind of like there's no right answer. Well, and when we've talked about this, like yeah, I've even polled the public. Who are the guys that you're happy with at 11? It's pretty much just a quarterback not named Will Levis. We'll call that two guys. JSN, one of the top two tackles. End kind of, of list. Of, kind of end of list, right? Yep. But but when you think of, okay, well, now let's extend this list to include all of the realistic options. Then you throw on there, okay, well, Will Levis could theoretically be there and they could theoretically take him. One of the top two corners could fall and you could see him take one of those guys. One of the top edges could fall. You could see them be considering, you know, a, 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 a God forbid, a Keon White, um, a, a Lucas Van Ness, a Nolan Smith. Like you could see that absolutely there. Um, I just, what I ultimately came down to with my dad is when, when they're at 11, if they're picking at 11, Yes, there are a number of good options, but for every good option that will likely be available there, there are two or three bad options that they could also pick and people will be upset. So if they pick an 11, I feel like it's like a 35, 40% chance they do something that people like and a, you know, 55, 60% chance they piss people off. And I think that's probably the inverse if they move up or down. So that's, that's where I have them going. Richardson at 11 definitely changes a lot you know it's a brand new ball game it's it would be certainly a great night one outcome for you and i jt as people that have to cover the titans no shortage of things to talk about um until we get to august and then we get to august and probably more things to talk about that we otherwise wouldn't have and then at 12 i have the texans getting will levis to fall in their lap my only thought on this is this jt you, we've heard a lot in the past day or two or three about you know folks pushing back on this idea well, the Texans think that since they have two and 12, maybe they can just let a quarterback fall since besides Bryce Young, who they think they're not getting they're They're cool with anybody, which seems insane, right? The idea that the, the next three quarterbacks, which is a very, you know, picky position, very important position. People tend to have strong opinions on quarterbacks. The idea that a front office just wouldn't care, like just, you know, you offer them, you're the bartender and they'd say, surprise me. That's not a thing with NFL quarterbacks. Are you crazy? But I don't think that's what it is. I think we're misunderstanding the Texans' stance. I don't think they're just cool with any of those quarterbacks. I think they've decided internally, we're cool with getting a quarterback in this draft, and we're cool with not getting a quarterback in this draft. So you know what? We think that there's a chance one or two of these top four guys falls to 12 or in that area. Maybe we trade up to you know, 11, 10, 9, 8. 
And so we're going to take that risk. We're going to take one of the top defenders. We'll sit at 12, see what happens. And then if those quarterbacks are gone and we decide to go with somebody else, cool. We're fine with that. We are content with that. We've made peace with that. And if a quarterback is there, cool. But but people are misunderstanding is they're saying, how are the Texans betting on a quarterback at 12? I think that they're not betting on a quarterback at 12. I think they're betting on taking whoever is there at 12. And if it's a quarterback, cool. If it's not, cool. What do you think about that idea? I mean, it's very fair. <laughs> like, yeah, I think with this new regime, it may be reasonable to think that they are betting on D'Amico Ryan's long term. And if that means go out and get your get two blue chip guys to build around for the future and then look sure. to a quarterback and maybe realize that you're not going to have a competitive chance next year in this AFC and find yourself in just like having a Caleb Williams or a Jake Drake may fall in your uh, lap next year you that, you, for somebody. that you might right. like better. Like it, it, it maybe is better for them. Like it, they're not putting as much pressure on a first year guy like D'Amico Ryans to go out and get that quarterback when he knows this defensive class pretty well. And he wants to shore up that part of their team first. Yeah. The last thing I'll say on the top 12 is now that we've talked about it out loud, I, I, Tell me if you agree with this. I think what the Texans decide to do it to like whatever is actually in their heart, because we're just guessing what is whatever their plan is in their brains and in their hearts for number two and number 12. That is what's going to decide how the first round goes. That's the linchpin sure. to all of this. Yep. All right, let's move on. It's definitely a domino effect, but let's move on here to 13 through 18 with the Green Bay Packers having moved up two spots. Now we'll take a wide receiver. Wow. First time in what? 18, 19 years that they've well, taken. How long did, how long did Aaron Rodgers play in green Bay? However long that was. <laughs> <laughs> they take Jackson Smith and Jigba with their 13th pick yep. at number 14. Deontay Banks, the corner out of Maryland goes hmm. to new England in another pick for me personally. That's like, how did someone let them go there? Like Deontay Banks definitely feels like a doesn't, new England Patriots. feel like a Patriots. That one's kind of a vibe pick, but it feels right. Um, at 15, Broderick Jones goes to the New York Jets. At 16, Darnell Wright to the Washington Commanders. Number Speaking 17. Speaking of guys that feel like their team. That, yes. Based on what we've found out about Darnell Wright in the past couple of weeks, that kind of feels feels like a Washington, a commie. He feels like a commie. At 17, Nolan Smith goes to that defensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then Lucas Van Ness finds himself side-by-side side with Aiden Hutchinson once again for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, so this is this this grouping, these six picks, a number of them are are not vibes picks, but they're they when I made them, I'm like, that I feel my I'm content, I am settled, that feels right to me. So with Jackson Smith and Jigba at 13, the thing that made that the obvious pick for me there is when the Jets and the Packers made the trade for Aaron Rodgers, we saw the Jets jump back to 15 and swap with the Packers, who get to jump up to 13. The Packers had mentioned their their GM, Brian Gutekunst, had mentioned at some point a while ago, I don't know if it was weeks ago or months ago, when asked if they would consider part of the deal being a pick swap for 15 and 13, as the you know, the order was already set. He said the only reason we would do it is if it was if we had somebody in mind, if it was significant and we felt like we needed to get to 13 to get there. Well, what the team sandwiched between 13 and 15 are the Patriots. And they're a team in this draft who are very publicly interested for obvious reasons in receivers. I think the Packers seeing as that the, the, the Patriots are a real threat to take JSN at 14. If he falls there, they, they decided as part of this deal, we're going to ensure we get who we think is a blue chip receiver. 
And so they go up and get Jackson Smith and Jigba for the Patriots. Like I've said in past mocks, it, I know this isn't true, but it feels like my in my heart, it feels like the Patriots take a cornerback every single year in the first or second round. It's just the Bel- Belichick way. Um, and, and this is a guy who has continued to rise in people's boards. I think he'll be one of the bigger surprises of the night because I actually do think he will go before Joey Porter Jr. I think Joey Porter Jr. is going to slip in this draft. I, I don't even have him in the top 18 here. He will go eventually in the first round, but I have them going with Deontay Banks out of Maryland. And then Broderick Jones to the Jets is another guy that feels right. The Jets obviously now have Aaron Rodgers. It's very important to protect this old fragile man who every 10 seconds is considering retiring. Project Jones as a book and tackle is a great choice there. The commies, the commanders going with Darnell Wright under new management. They're a team that, you know, I the Darnell Wright talk in the past week, we don't know how much of it's true, right? It is lying season on these prospects. There's a chance that all the scout slander when it comes to his, you know, how much he loves football, his football character, his football IQ, all these things. There's a chance that it's all bunk and baloney and a team like Washington, for example, maybe trying to get him to fall to 16. If so, mission accomplished. I like them taking a uh, bookend tackle and Darnell Wright can start at right tackle or left tackle if he asks you in person. But in reality, it's right tackle. And then uh, 17, Nolan Smith falling farther than I think. I think a lot of people kind of assume he's going to be a top 10, top 12 pick. We talked about him two days ago on the outliers because he is very small, but he is crazy athletic. The old 1030 RAS or the, uh, the 1030 mock draftable web, Nolan Smith feels like a great stealer, obviously a defensive star, stalwart organization. And then the Lions does, does I mean, we got to talk to the man in person. Does Lucas Van Ness not feel like a Dan Campbell guy to you? He feels like a Dan Campbell guy to me. He still feels like a Belichick guy to me in my heart of hearts. And but that like, was fit as well. I mean, I can um, understand that. Dan yeah. Campbell is like a, is a 1B to one, close second Belichick's 1A. Okay. Which is funny because sure. they're not even remotely similar. But, no, but um, just like in like personality wise, like I feel like Lucas right. Van Ness would like attach himself to like either one of those guys. You know what it is? Lucas Van Ness is a guy that you feel like even though he's what, 21, 22 years old, I feel like every time he talks to anybody older than him, he addresses them. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Like that feels like the way this guy was raised. And that feels like if I'm in the presence of Bill Belichick or Dan Campbell, very different individuals, it is yes, sirs all day long. So that just, that's kind of the, if that helps explain, that's kind of where I'm at mentally. So we can move on. Yeah. The the only thing I'm going to say is that just looking at this board right now, doesn't this just feels like tight end death row. Like the next two, group, like the, no, this one right here, like oh, Green oh, Bay the, through Lions, <laughs> yeah, feels like two tight ends could go here. Like it, Green it, Bay has a very good yep. reason to take a tight end. Mm-hmm. New England, they have Hunter Henry and they traded Johnu Smith. They haven't had a real tight end since Gronk. Like it feels like they could go for tight end. Mm-hmm. The Jets are the only one on this list. I would say do not need a tight end. Sure, Washington. They've had who's the I, guy who gets hurt every single year. I can't even them. name his the starter in Washington. His, his name his name his name starts with a J, and he's it's going to escape me. But he gets hurt every single year. He's tried to be an offensive weapon for them, just has not worked out. They could finally use a guy in the tight end slot that finally works for them. Oh, Logan and, Thomas. Logan Thomas. That's it. Logan yeah, Thomas yeah, yeah. gets hurt Logan every Thomas. year. Um, Pittsburgh, this is true. get a nice one, a one B with Pat Fryermuth could be really mm-hmm. nice for Kenny Pickett and the lions who lost TJ Hawkinson could really use a guy for the offensive weapon. Like they're like my, with Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid on the board. I would not be surprised 
to see if there's an early run on, on tight ends. This is where it happens. I'm with Definitely, you 100 for sure. Yep. Let's move on here to picks 19 through 24 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking DeWandre the Giant, DeWan Jones, Too big out to of fail. OSU at 20. A guy that both of us have talked about. Don't I shot be surprised. my shot. I decided Don't to be shoot surprised my shot here. If he comes up yep. here yep. from the consensus pick 60 or something 60-ish? like that. Yeah, somewhere in there. Um, to come up into the first round, Keanu Benton, the defensive lineman from, I believe, Wisconsin. Wisconsin mm-hmm. um, at 21 Jordan Addison goes to the Los Angeles Chargers at 22 Miles Murphy finally makes an appearance in one of Easton Freeze's mock drafts as he yeah, heads he yeah. to the Baltimore Ravens I, I put a pause on the slander for a minute yeah uh, at 23 Joey Porter Jr. finally stops his slide going to the Minnesota Vikings and Brian Branch another guy who has seemingly just been mocked to that's only mock, the Jaguars mock, mock number two baby mock, uh, mock Brian two. Branch is headed to the Jaguars yeah, so uh, we'll start with Dewan Jones to the the Buccaneers. That's a position at 19 where the Bucs are a blank slate, right? There's a million different positions you could theoretically see them going with. But offensive line is usually when you're starting from scratch, a, a good place to start. They are often mocked Anton Harrison. Like I've seen that a ton, right? They get the scraps of the offensive line heap. But I think that Dewan is viewed higher by a, by a lot of folks in the NFL. I would not shock me at all. If he's higher on my board, it wouldn't shock me at all if he goes higher than folks think. And DeWandre the Giant, he's so big. I mean, even if he stinks his first year, if the idea is he's just literally, like we've joked about, too big to fail, not a, not a bad way to compensate for not having the most skill in year one. At 20, I decided, I, JT, I kind of put this entire mock together and saved the last spot I was most unsure about. And it was the it was the Seahawks at twenty. This is their second pick in the first round. They've already got a stud defender, um, edge rusher. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, who's going here? And I remember our conversation. You nailed it, by the way. He kind of Benton is exactly sixty on the consensus board. Um, I I I felt like I needed to just slide it in here. You know, the 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 front, both interior and exterior for the Seahawks on the defensive side of the ball is bad. They need both. There's a reason why they're often in the first round mocked both Jalen Carter and Tyree Wilson or Jalen Carter and, um, and um, um, uh, uh, Anderson jr. So many names. I'm starting to jumble them. Uh, so Keanu Benton as a Anderson jr. Or Anderson jr. Partner in this first round, getting those two guys to shore up your front is fantastic at 21. Jordan Addison going higher than I would take him, but this one's really just based on vibes. A lot of people that I have seen who I trust, um, famous mock drafters, which yeah, that exists, but like people who have won awards for mock drafts, they all kind of think that Jordan Addison, this is the spot for him to go. I will say Daniel Jeremiah, who is, you know, the like King draft, Nick of draft community, pretty much for the NFL network. He is the, I believe either the, I think he's the color guy for the chargers. He, he works for the chargers and he also has been the number one guy beating the drum for Jordan Addison. So there's a connection there. People seem to respect. And I think in that, in that building, if people are, are asking Daniel Jeremiah, his opinion on the draft, which people tend to do, he might be hyping up Jordan Addison and they may get a receiver there at 22 miles. Murphy going to the, the, Ravens. This one just feels like a Ravens pick a guy that a defensive a safe defensive pick that people are, are a fan of. I'm not a huge fan of miles Murphy or really any of the Clemson guys, but um, I could absolutely see him going in the first round. I think he probably does go in the first round in the, in the Ravens made sense here at 23. Joey Porter jr. Finishes his slide. The, the Vikings need a number of things. I think if Addison is here at 23, they may consider him. I think 
Zay Flowers is also firmly on the board here at 23 um, as a replacement for Adam Thielen, for example. But I have them going with a little bit of shoring up the defensive secondary. And then 24, the, the second pick that seems like everyone has only ever picked this. And it's because the Jaguars need a safety and they need one bad. It's Brian Branch, the, the nickel safety out of Alabama. I will say this, because everyone seems to know for certain two picks in the first round, 24 for the Jaguars and six for the Lions. Um, those are the two that I'm like cynically most confident we're all going to be wrong about. And I thought about going contrarian, but I decided I just if I'm going down, I'll go with I'll go down with the ship because we're all aboard. Um, so that's where I went at 24. Yeah, I, I really don't see anything truly wrong with this. I think this Personally, is going to show up to be the most boring section of the evening. I think. I think these yeah, teams will I think be relatively. So. We'll, we'll take we'll take our break here, right? <laughs> and we'll Might probably, have to knock we'll probably a still be talking right about the vibe. Yeah, we'll we'll probably be on the horn with Stony, just like knocking a couple back, still talking about the Titans or maybe yeah, exactly. whatever else we can get up to because like this is so boring. If there's anything <laughs> that I would say here besides like a trade happening, like I think maybe the chargers could maybe see a Zay flowers higher than a Jordan Addison. But besides that, there's sure there's not a lot here. Maybe Quentin Johnston could be like a dark horse for either the chargers or Ravens Vikings or Ravens. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if the Ravens wanted to go and just randomly decide to get another big body receiver, a, a big body receiver, finally, because it seems like they are allergic to big bodied guys, then sure. Let's go with a uh, little Quentin Johnson. Yeah. But, but like you said, probably the most boring part of the night, but we're going to kick it back up here with the final part of the mock draft here at 25, the giants go corner Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi state at 26, the Cowboys get their replacement for Dalton Schultz, but it's not Dalton Kincaid. They're going with Michael Mayer. Yep. Out of Notre Dame, I believe. Notre Dame, yep. correct? Uh -huh. mm -hmm. At 27, the Buffalo Bills, who just seemingly have a lot of a lot of holes to fill and none at the same time. Yeah. Go with Brian Brissy out of Clemson. At 28, Dalton Kincaid goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. At 29, Keon White, a guy who's attending the draft, who me and you thought was the one outlier in the in the people who were. What does the league know? Why was he part of the first the round of invitations? That was a while ago. Who, yeah, I know. It, it it seems a little interesting. I don't think we ever talked about that, but he is confirmed to show up for the draft for night one. Someone that we didn't really have mocked here, but of, of course, what nope. do we know? <laughs> um, <laughs> at 30, Will McDonald, darn you, goes to the Eagles, and yeah. Will McDonald and Jalen Carter will be on the same team. I know. This, wow. the, the, the theme <laughs> of this mock is the Eagles make everybody furious on Thursday. And 31, Anton Harrison tries to fill the shoes that Orlando Brown leaves going to the Chiefs. Your thoughts? So at 25, Emmanuel Forbes to the Giants. He's one of the guys that I think that could sneak into the first round. This cornerback class is just so deep. I've talked about how in any other draft class, I think that he's a bona fide first round corner. Well, in this mock, he is a first round corner. So congratulations to Emmanuel Forbes, the flat Stanley 2D man himself. At 26, Michael Mayer going to the Cowboys. I kind of flip-flopped on whether it be Kincaid or Mayer here. I feel pretty confident it's going to be a replacement for Dalton Schultz, who they let move on. Um, but I, I do think that it's going to be a tight end here and they need an outlet for Dak at 27. I, this is, was the hardest one for me to make. It's consistently one of the harder one, ones for me to make the bill. It's not like they have no holes. There's a number of places where they could add depth. They could add starters 
And yet I just don't know where they go. This, this pick could be literally anything and it would not surprise me. So I decided to just give him the potential first rounder that I liked the least. I gave him Brian Mercy out of Clemson because I wanted to slot him somewhere. And I'm not even sure I've had him on any of my mock drafts in the first round. So I gave him a little bit of love here at 28. This one would frustrate me to no end because Kincaid in, in uh, Cincinnati, if Kincaid turns out to be the guy that some think he could be the high end comp of Travis Kelsey, the last thing the AFC needs is for there to be a Cincinnati Kansas city rivalry that now has matching dueling stud tight ends to terrorize the entire conference at 29 Keon white out of Georgia tech, not having to change color schemes going down to Nola and still wearing that uh, like kind of piss yellow gold, black and white. And uh, that's where I, I think the, they definitely need some, some defensive front help in new Orleans. Um, and I think Keon White is exactly the kind of player that that goofy front office will overdraft. At, thir- at 30, I've got Will McDonald, the f- uh, four. I always say fifth because I'm dumb. I know I'm in numer- numerals, I promise. Will McDonald, the fourth, going to the Eagles and infuriating everybody. I've had him in the 30th or 31st slot of my mock every single time. And I, I really do think he goes in the first round. If not, and we have a tiebreaker, you know, one of the things we do for our, our personal competition for a mock draft guesses if there's a tie the the two people who tied pick a player for day two that's still on the board and whichever person picked a player that goes first wins the competition well, i'll tell you right now if i happen to be in a tie which you and i tied the first year we did this i guessed t higgins and he was the 33rd player off the board to your Bengals. um i'm gonna be guessing will mcdonald absolutely if he's still there and then 31 anton harrison going to the chiefs i thought long and hard about um quinton johnston here who they have been the chiefs themselves putting up a lot of smoke about Quentin Johnson, JT. I don't know if you've seen he working out with Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and the boys like, so is a flowers. So is a flowers. Maybe they're trying to incentivize teams in front of them to take one of those receivers earlier than they should. Or maybe Kansas city, a team that, you know, they don't need receivers necessarily, but they, you know, based on last year, they, they evidenced that Pat Mahomes can just kind of just make it work. But they, in terms of, Stud receivers are really lacking. Um, so they could go receiver. I would not be shocked by either of those receivers there. Or if if one of the guys that I already had going is still on the board, that would not shock me. But I ultimately went with the the last top five tackle on the board, according to many, simply because I realized in my research of their their roster, like, oh yeah, they never filled that hole for Orlando Brown. Like that's kind of important. What what do they value more? Um Let's see. They won a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes when he had basically no receivers. And then they got embarrassed-ish in a Super Bowl when Patrick Mahomes was running for his life because they couldn't protect him. So I went with what historically they're probably more prone to do. Let's protect our $100 million man and hope that he can make do with the talent that we give him to throw to. Yeah, I, I the only thing I'm going to comment on here, of course, because uh, Houday, um, Houday. Sure, what is it, your it thoughts? Would, it, it would be such a luxury pick for them to get oh yeah the guy who's had shades of travis kelsey to join would you Jamar chase would you be no, mad I would not i would not okay. be okay. mad at all considering <laughs> they have irv smith and the other guy who is drew sample, sample. is the other yeah. guy um so like that tight end room would be crazy and you, would what, what, add is, another... what is cincinnati what are cincinnati fans clamoring for are you tuned in like what do they, what do they want are they on the tight end train if you if you want a hot take Jameer Gibbs is a very Ooh. big front runner to go Ooh. to the to the Cincinnati. Joe Bengals. Mixon, get your problematic butt out of here. Give Mostly because Gibbs. because a lot of people think that 
if Joe Mixon doesn't take a pay cut, he's going to be on the streets with Zeke and Lenny and again, post June 1st, if which they is take Gibbs. I'm not sure. It's like, it's not going to matter if he takes a pay cut. I think he's on the streets regardless. Yeah. So like, I, I think it's probably on the offensive side of the ball. Of course, if Brian branch is there, like I think it's safety. a home run pick. I, okay. I think, I think so. I mean, you lose, uh, Jesse Bates, Bates and um, the kind of their safety room has kind of been gutted. Now you have two good guys in Daxon Hill and uh, Cam oh, Taylor Britt. Yeah. They have Cam player. Taylor Britt, Dax Hill, who they kind of had sit behind Jesse Bates. Now it's going on too long, but they could take Brian Branch. So like <laughs> they could do, they really are like, Cincinnati like I said, now. like I said, like, just like the Titans, they are truly in a choose your own adventure kind of situation here. <laughs> Most teams are, which is what makes this so hard. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, I love that we came into this thinking like, yeah, 30 minutes. We're an hour in. We have an hour in. Titans like, mock. just like clockwork. We've done this every, I, all three of them. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> we just have too much fun with it. We it is way, it's it. way too much fun. I hope the listeners have some fun with it. I will say, I think we're going to actually not spend a whole lot of time on this Titans mock. And that's because no trades. I, I went, they're going to stick with their six picks. Um, so I've only got six guys here and you'll notice a, a common theme, but let's, let's talk about, well, let's talk about the first two since we already know Richardson is at number one. Yeah. Richardson falls to the Titans here. And I, I, I kind of like this pick if Richardson were there and you get Anthony Richardson to sit behind Ryan Tannehill for one more year and you don't have to give up draft capital to go get him. And you have that, that uh, cap space next year and you let him develop. I think it's a home run pick. In the first round, we move to two two logic things that I need to explain here. Number one, the reason why, and I did sit and contemplate. Okay, they've got Richardson. Do they trade away Tannehill? Based on the things we heard from Rand Carthen at his press conference on Monday, and based on what we've seen from Titans uh, OTAs, where Ryan Tannehill has been in attendance for all of it, as far as we're aware, um, we know based on what Rand Carthen said on Monday that he and he and Ryan very early on in his tenure here in Tennessee had a conversation and Ryan knows where he stands at this program. Now that part, again, it, it was in the press conference that we've mocked for being nothing but lies. If there was one truth in that press conference, I think that one was true. I, whether or not he moves Ryan Tannehill, he did not say. So there was no lie there, but the, the whole him being honest with Ryan and letting him know where he stands with the organization. I believe that part. I think that that is telling the truth and based on that, for Ryan Tannehill to be at OTAs when in the past he's missed those, that indicates to me pretty easily that, okay, maybe more likely that he is in fact back this year. Like I predicted for <laughs> two years in a row, it is in fact still Ryan Tannehill. It was always Ryan Tannehill. Um, but that that is a consideration they'll have to make. Like if they want more picks and they want to go all in on Richardson and with the 11th pick, that's kind of borderline. You know, when you get a guy on the top five at quarterback, People expect them to play immediately. 11's kind of in that Justin Fields range. Remember how Justin Fields was treated his first year? Andy Dalton, it was kind of a halfsy, halfsy. Do we start him week seven or week eight or week? Like, when do we get him in there? We, we would like to have him sit behind. That that could be, unfortunately, could be the narrative we have to deal with for the first two months of this year. Um, but I, I think that that is something that they'll consider. Anthony Richardson, not a raw project, as we've talked about, but a guy that definitely, I think, could he could definitely benefit from sitting behind a veteran and having some time to develop, um, as I think really any quarterback could. You just have to be careful with that, not to you know ruin their confidence or or get the fan base to turn on you. So I have them sticking with Ryan Tannehill, based on what we've heard, based on the fact that he's at OTAs and seemingly knows his position with the with the organization. If I had to guess, and this is purely guesswork, what Rand Carthen told Ryan Tannehill, 
he said, we're going to look hard into these quarterbacks. If a guy is there and where we fall in love with one and we get them, we're going, we're going to get them. If they fall to us or if we move up, we're going to get a guy. Um, and if that happens, we're going to plan on keeping you around and having them, you know, we're going to groom them behind you. But the idea will be for them to eventually take over if they develop to that point. It'll obviously still be a competition. And then otherwise, if we don't go quarterback, which I don't think that they're set on a quarterback in this class, then you're you're our guy going forward. And, and either way, I expect them to keep him on the roster, redo the contract, maybe add a year, add some void years or whatever, make that make that cap hit shrink a little bit, give him a little bit more room to work with. And uh, Anthony Richardson comes in and sits behind him. The other logic thing, much shorter. I know I've said a lot in the past couple episodes that I expect them to take a, a defender in particular, a cornerback very early in this draft. I think the one thing that that maybe shoots that down is if they go with a quarterback in the first. Not only does it, you know, going with a quarterback in the first almost certainly ensures they don't have any extra picks. They, you know, the only way they get extra picks if they get a quarterback in the first round is if they sell off somebody like Ryan Tannehill or, or Derrick Henry or, or whatever for, for picks in this year's draft, or they sell future capital, which you don't often see. Um, so I, I think that going with Richardson is the, is the one linchpin here that changed my mind. So I still do believe wholeheartedly if they go non quarterback in the first round, I expect one of the top cornerbacks to be gone in round two or three and be in two tone blue by the end of the weekend. If they go quarterback, I don't know. And that's why at two. Yeah. In the, in the second round here, the Titans are taking Jalen Duncan, an offensive lineman from Maryland. Now what's the common thread between these first two guys, JT? The guys the Titans met with that we know they have, that yep. they met with. Now I, I I used that we 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 talked about it in yesterday's episode. We've got what we think is a list of twenty six of the Titans top thirty visits. We also know some of the virtual visits they've done. We also know some of the local visits they've done. Um, and based on that, I, I went back for the past couple of drafts just to see based on who they took and who they met with. What's the mo? Now to be fair, Rand Carthen is not John Robinson, but. The scouting staff that John Robinson was employing and working with is the same one that Rand Carthen is employing and working with this season. So um, it, 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 I think tracks and just generally speaking, these, these teams, when they meet with guys, they oftentimes fall for a guy or they, you know, they have them high on their list. Jalen Duncan's a guy that the Titans have met with twice JT. They did it virtually. And then they did it with a top 30 visit. That's a great indicator that they're, they have great interest in Duncan one way or another, whether or not they're not quite sure. And they were trying to figure it out. Or whether or not they they were they were really high on him and, and trying to make sure that this guy is the guy, but like they they may take this guy early. 41's not super early for Duncan, but it's earlier than I think where he is on the consensus board. And um, I think that they go with this lineman here, um, a guy that probably a tackle. I think that he'll be a tackle at the next level. That they'll probably covet that versatility that he has, potentially being able to move inside if they decide that's the best for them. But he seems to be the kind of middle ground of boring Titans pick that people are going to be disappointed by, but also one that people can get behind because you can't possibly be upset with them shoring up the offensive line with a, with a guy that I think people generally are a fan of in Jalen Duncan. Yeah. Jalen Duncan comes in as the 93rd overall prospect. Oh, so on he's the way lower than I thought. Board. Okay. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, the ninth offensive tackle prospect here. So maybe yeah. a little bit of a reach, but well, like, like you said, see. who who are they the, on the tackle prospect list? Who, who do I have them for going? 
Um, um someone like uh, Blake Freeland, gone. probably, probably the only people that would still be there ahead of him that are not in your first round mock here are right. Matthew Bergeron and Blake Freeland. Okay. And see that it feels weird when you say 93rd overall player, you know, you say, you say there, there are eight guys in front of him on the tackle list. And yet if you're looking for a tackle and the options, the top options are Tyler Steen, Jalen Duncan, Blake Freeland, Matthew Bergeron. Yeah. On the consensus board, Duncan is the 93rd overall player. He's also in the, all the mocks they have on here. It says he, the peak is he could go as, as early as 33rd. So just from a, the rest of the probably values this position more. We better get the guys before the good guys are gone. Jalen Duncan kind of feels like the last bona fide can start day one, potentially um, going to battle for a starting spot in camp, even potentially as a tackle guy on this list to me. And so I see them going in on him, but a big part of the reason why I have them over over drafting him in the second round is because of how much interest they've expressed. Let's move on to the third pick here. And in the third round at uh, number 72, the Titans finally pick up a wide receiver here. Jaden Reed wide receiver out of Michigan state. I, we've talked about this the last two episodes. I have really grown to like Jaden Reed here. Me and too. I think he would yeah. um, be a good pick here for the Titans. Well, not only would it be a, a good pick, but I think that he would, it makes sense. Like he, I think Zach Lyons either told this to me in person or he said it on a show. Um, Jaden Reed feels like a Titan. He's the kind of guy that I, I know from a characteristic standpoint, he's the kind of guy that the Titans typically are big fans of. He fits their system. He'd be a really nice complimentary player to kind of slot in between your Traylon Burks and your Kyle Phillips. He'd be a really nice two that you could develop has, you know, day one impact ability, but is probably going to hit his stride in his first back half of the first year, second year kind of guy. Um, but a really talented player. And I don't, I believe this is the first one in which they, they don't think they have any meetings that we know of with Jaden Reed out of Michigan State. But when I went back and looked the story that I started a minute ago and then got sidetracked, um, a lot of the recent drafts, it's been like, you know, of the seven players they drafted, they had previously met in top 30 visits with three of them. So it's not the end all be all the top 30 list, but it's a good indicator as to the guys they're looking in on. And I think if we come I, I expect us to come from this draft, if they take just six players and at least two of them were probably on that top 30 visits board. That's typically how it goes. At the fifth round pick for the Titans here, because yep. of course they do not have a fourth round pick. Julio. Thanks to Julio Jones. The Titans take another offensive lineman here, kind of building back up that offensive line room with some young talent. Nick Broker, the interior offensive lineman from Old Miss. Yeah, he's a guy that they have met with previously. Um, they 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 spent 11 of their top 30 visits, JT. When you broke it down by position, they spent 11 of them on, on linemen. The next highest number, I think, was six on edge players and or cornerbacks or, or receivers or something. So they're obviously, and you know, for for duh reasons, they're interested in supplementing this offensive line situation that they've got going on. Nick Broker in the fifth round is a really nice pick. He's one of the guys I think that you is a rare find in the late rounds that has the polish necessary to, to play day one, six, four and three eighths, 305 pounds as an interior guy. That's a big fella for an interior player. Um, he's for anybody that cares on the, on the beast, um, which is Dane Brugler's massive draft guide. He is his, interior offensive lineman 11. I don't know where he is on the consensus board, JT. I think he's right around this fifth round area. 
but some folks that I that I trust their evaluation on are much higher on him. And it sounds like the Titans are pretty high on him based on how they met. If yeah, you we Nick, have Nick no, Booker's one seventy seventh on the consensus board here. Okay, so certainly lower. I don't know. That's probably you can count it up if you want. But interior offensive lineman probably bigger bigger number than eleventh. Um, I will say this though on Dane Brugler's evaluation. The, the the last bit, I want to read it word for word, not to steal from Brugler, but I, when I was making this, JT, it kind of hit me. Nick Broker is like one of the only guys at a position of need for the Titans. I'm not sure we've mentioned once on this show at all. I'm not sure we've talked yeah, about him Yeah, I don't at think we've all. talked about him at all. Um, and I've not done a ton of study on him, so I was kind of catching up on what I had missed out on when I was considering him for this mock. And in The Beast, it says, Overall, Broker doesn't wow with his explosiveness or power, especially in recovery mode, but he is a strong player and understands his responsibilities, which help him execute when his technique and leverage stay on point. He projects as a potential NFL backup on the interior with starting upside in either a zone or gap scheme. So he's got that versatility to play in multiple schemes, um, it, it, a backup guy with starting potential. This is a more developmental pick, but in the fifth round, that's the way that you got to go in terms of developmental picks, which most all of the fifth round picks are. Nick Broker is one of the guys that I just when you look at his numbers from college, you look at his measurements. He seems to be a more polished player that could potentially be an impact this first year. But but if they've got Jalen Duncan in that starting rotation, you may not need him to. You might have now some actual depth at the line position. So either way, I like Nick Broker in the fifth. In the sixth round here, we finally get some defensive players on the board. And if Mike Vrabel is sitting at home looking at Easton Freeze mock, he's punching holes in his wall yeah, um, (laughs) because he has not taken a defensive player yet. But the Titans get on the board here with another player that we just talked about pretty um, recently here, uh, Rayshon Wright, the cornerback out of Oregon State. He goes at the sixth round here at pick 186. Yeah, so Rajon Wright, I forget, we were talking about it in the episode with James Foster. He was one of his replacements, bargain bin, late round option. I think it was for Joey Porter Jr. And mm-hmm. the idea was it was this is a guy who um, I you know I've, I've studied a good bit since James kind of put me on to him a couple of days ago. I've I've read up on him and watched some of the tape. I do like the upside for him, and and he's a guy that like Joey Porter Jr. is a lanky press man corner who showed a lot of flash in college, and I think could be a sneaky find in the sixth round. It feels like the kind of thing that the Titans would do. They've had success in recent years with finding late round and and most most prominently undrafted free agent success, such as Trey Avery at the cornerback position that can be of impact in the first year or two. I think Rajon Wright absolutely could be one of those guys. And if they were to shore up that cornerback room, maybe plan a little bit for the future, like we've talked about in, in a past episode, like we think that they need to, at the cornerback position. Rajon Wright in the sixth round is a really nice option. And the final pick here in Easton Freeze's mock draft 3.0 for the Titans, they will be taking Quindell Johnson, the safety out of Memphis. Yeah, so I decided to just double dip while I was at it for, based on, on James' guys that he talked about on yesterday's or two days ago, uh, the show that we did. Quindell Johnson, I think, was his replacement for Antonio Johnson, the the number two consensus safety out of Texas A&M. Quindell is a guy, and actually, I don't know if the Titans have met with him or not. I don't know if Memphis guys can meet for locals. I don't remember seeing him on that board, but Quindell is a guy that is, you know, a, a relative in-state player. He's a successful player, looked, looked really good in college, 
Um, shows a, a lot of flash for a guy that is a potential seventh round option. Is he going to be there at the seventh round? I don't know. He might be too good for that. Frankly, when you look on the consensus board, he is overall around the 228th pick, but his peak is like the 97th player. So there's a chance he goes anywhere in the, you know, 100 to 250 range. And because of that, there's a chance he is long gone by this pick. Um, but if he's there, I like Quindell Johnson as a guy to not replace Amani Hooker or Kevin Byard as the starters, but prepare for a life beyond them, which the Titans need to do. And to shore up that secondary, Quindell Johnson would be a nice depth guy to have. And that's going to do it for our mock draft here. Let's run it down real quick for the folks at home who just need a quick refresher here in the uh, first round, the Titans will have Anthony Richardson fall into their laps at 11. In the second round, they will be taking Jalen Duncan, offensive lineman from Maryland, who they've met with twice now. At the third round, they will be taking wide receiver Jaden Reed from Michigan State. In the fifth round, they will be taking another offensive lineman here, Nick Broker from Old Miss. In the sixth round, they will be taking a corner from Oregon State, Rajon Wright. And their final pick will be used on Quindale Johnson, the safety from Memphis. And you know what, JT? I, I tried to approach this mock with the idea of what's the most realistic mock I can put together. This feels like the perfect balance of satisfying Titans fans and being a little bit more underwhelming than folks were hoping for. You, you get your prize and a it, new it is a little bit quarterback to talk about at the that top. That's true. But and then it gets are. underwhelming, which, you know what? Yep. That's that's the, you get one or two guys where you're like, yes. And the rest are either confusing or boring or you don't like the pick. So that's kind of I think I kind of nailed it here. Not to throw my arm out, pat myself on the back. But JT, buddy, no more words from you and I after we yep. sign off here in a second until we are live and we are covering the NFL draft. Um, from our studio here at my house, we're setting up a, a nice situation. Going to look very, if you were tuning into our combine uh, shows, those those are a pretty good indication of what we're going to be looking at here. Going to get the house in order and set up a studio situation for us. That is exciting and we cannot wait for that, obviously. Um, you're going to want to make sure to tune in to that on Thursday night, on Friday night. Stoney Keeley will be with me on Friday night. So that's going to be awesome. We'll be covering every minute of the first round on Thursday and then the second and the third rounds on Friday. So tune in there. And then now that we're at the end of the episode, reminder, go to broadwaysportsmedia.com and check out our do and do not draft player guide to the 2023 NFL draft. It is the do and don't draft players in each round at every position of need for the Titans. 70 guys, 35 we think they should consider and 35 we think that they shouldn't. And that is a fantastic guide that JT and I have poured our heart and souls into. It is a culmination of the work that we've done for the past three, two or three months. And uh, we think that it is a, a tool that you'll really enjoy to use if you're a Titans fan and, and want to follow along the draft. So go and check that out. It's the do and don't draft players of the 2023 NFL draft. And with that, JT, we are out of here. I will see you Thursday night with a, a cold one in one hand and my laptop in the other ready to rock and roll and see what happens on this crazy eventful night until then for producer JT. I'm your host Easton freeze. We'll talk to you live Thursday night covering the NFL draft until then have a great couple of days. Mm -hmm.